when I had my son, like the moment I gave birth to him, I will say, like the second he was placed in my arms, my first thought was of my birth mom. And I just, I, I let go of all the anger. Who am I? 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 This is Who Am I Really? A podcast about adoptees that have located and connected with their biological family members. Hey, it's Damon. And on this show, I had the great pleasure of catching up with my old friend, Julie. We met over 10 years ago, and as it often happens with me, we bonded over being adoptees. But she was already seeking her biological family and had been at it for a long time when we met. When we first knew one another, she had located her family of origin and her social worker had been in touch with them. But for some reason, they had not actually made the connection. Julie moved away, so I never got to hear what happened next for her. I've wondered about Julie for years, so today she finally satisfied my curiosity. Thank you so much for taking time to join me for this. I have been so excited to talk to you for like years, honestly. (laughs) I mean, you'll recall you and I first met back, Mm -hmm. what was that? 2003, yep. We bonded over being adoptees. I recall one of the conversations that we had around the fact that you had begun to search for your biological family. So Mm -hmm. uh, I'm really excited to hear the update because I've honestly, I've thought about you off and on for years, wondering how your story unfolded. So I I can't wait to get to the end. But for right now, (laughs) (laughs) uh, what I'd love for you to do is just take me back to the beginning. Tell me a little bit about, you know, how you grew up, where you grew up, what your family structure was like, and just generally how it was being an adoptee in your family. Sure. So I was born in Chicago and and immediately placed into foster care because my birth mom knew that she um, wasn't going to keep me. And I'll give you some backstory in a little bit on that side of the family. But in my... um, in my adoptive family, which I typically just refer to as my family, of um, I'm the fourth, I'm the youngest, I'm the baby, and I'm the fourth child, and all four of the kids in my family are adopted, mm-hmm. and so my oldest sister is white, and then my brother, my next oldest brother is uh, black and Vietnamese, and then I have a brother who's Vietnamese and probably something else, um, we're not entirely sure, both of them were uh, both of them were really I mean the Vietnamese war orphans and so we don't have accurate records on them and that includes like their age their accurate birthdays Um, so they were given records most likely of kids who'd already passed which is typical they were and so they were transferred records they basically have someone else's records you think yes wow yeah because so because um so this is a story that's like you know part of our family folklore but um when my older brother came over and was finally having like you know immediately had his first doctor visit the doctor was very clear with my parents that this child was at least six to nine months older than the age that they had reported to him and that they had been told wow um malnourished certainly him both my brothers were malnourished when they came um and and uh and sick and so probably older than their actual years. And maybe not a full year older, but definitely not the birthday that we have for them. Understood. Um, and so then, so they had those those three, and they're kind of, they're stair-step. And they're, I think, between like five and eight years older than me. 
And then it came time, and my parents decided that they wanted to adopt again. And, um, again, like family folklore, there was a little girl in Dallas, Texas, and then there was me in Chicago. And um, my brother, my oldest brother, Jeff, is the one who decided that we should adopt me because we needed more brown skin in the family. Oh, that's so um, cute. Yeah, yeah. And so actually my first picture um, that I keep on my fridge is of my brother Jeff holding me. Oh, that's really on the day awesome. that they, yeah, on the day I was placed, and uh, and so yeah, so they went with me, and I also think because the other little girl had a lot of health issues too, and I was a healthy baby, so I think that that was worked in my favor I certainly. See. Wow. Yep. Well, I hope so. Yeah. Okay today. Yeah, for sure. So you know, there's like kind of the three month, three or four month waiting period uh, where I was in foster care. Um, and then on March 18th, I was placed with my adoptive family and have been with them since. And so um, I was raised in River Falls, uh, which, is a, which is a fairly small college town, about 16,000 in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was definitely like my brothers and I were probably about half of the black kids in town, or, or like actually kids of color in general in town. We knew, I mean, there were a couple kids who were biracial, but for the most part, any any kids of color were adoptees, or, um, you know, that part of western Wisconsin also uh, pulled in a lot of refugees, and so initially, you know, they were the Vietnamese refugees came over, and a lot of the churches around offer a lot of services, and then eventually, you know, Hmong refugees came over. So there were sometimes other people of color uh-huh. um, who were with their, um, you know, families of origin, but for the most part, students of color tended to be adoptees, and we knew all of them because the adoptive community was obviously small, and um, and so we were all kind of well connected, and so it didn't seem, even though we were anomaly overall in my personal circle, it wasn't anything too unique. Um, Interesting, you know, I always think about folks in a interracial family, and how mm-hmm. it's always awesome to see. But I always wonder mm-hmm. about the adoptees' feeling about looking anything like or not at all alike their parents. And what I'm hearing you say is that in your entire community, basically, that was the norm, was that there were so many adoptees that didn't look like their by a lot, their adopted parents that um, that it was it was just normal. Well, yeah, I would say there weren't, it's not that there were so many, it's that there were probably like four other families who happened to be part of my parents' circle, and probably because they all had transracial adoption situations, and so because we kind of kept together, that wasn't, it didn't, like I wasn't singled out in that way. I mean, I was almost always the only person of color in my classroom all the way through elementary and middle school and, and into high school and there were other kids of color in my grade but we just didn't always end up in the same class so I would say I was probably like one of five or six in my grade the whole way through wow so yeah. a constant reminder to a degree yes. that you were a little bit out of place that's fascinating so how did your parents yeah. make you feel comfortable with the fact that you are adoptees um well for in my household it was always on the table for discussion. And so, I mean, obviously because we weren't the same color as our parents, like it was clear. And even, even for my sister who's white, it was just clear that none of us came from them. And so we could always talk about adoption. And um, I feel like I was, I was the most open about talking about mine. I remember um, 
I remember when the movie The Land Before Time came out and Littlefoot loses his mom at the beginning and I was so sad and I remember sitting on my mom's lap and you know she was like does this make you think about your mom I was like it does and I'm just you know I was crying but that was never I never got the sense from her that she was uncomfortable with me talking about my birth mom or my birth dad um it was and and they had like in their file cabinet they had records and so I had a copy of my adoptive of like my my adoptive records so like my um my mom and dad's information, not identifying information. I had, like, first names, ages, ethnicities, eye color, like, height, weight, kind of those basic physical demographics. I also knew how many siblings they each had, the first names of their parents. Um, and, and and my mom made me my own copy of that so I could always have it and look at it when I wanted. Wow. I did find out years later that she had identifying information. She wasn't allowed to give it to me until I was 21. Uh-huh. Um, and so I didn't know that until I was 21 that she had even more info. But what she could give me, I could have. And any time I was feeling sad or needed to talk, it was just always open for me. Oh, I would wow. say that I've probably been the most open of my siblings or the most comfortable talking about that that's so interesting and it's fascinating too i guess your parents probably would have had a lot of practice being that you were preceded by three siblings who were also adopted and they would have had questions and they would have had practice trying to help them feel comfortable but the fact that you were so open about it personally Mm -hmm. and they provided you access to the information to say Mm -hmm. listen this is you and this is us and uh, and he and we can talk about this anytime i think that's that's really incredible it fits my personality too, um, and then you know, with my brothers, it's more complicated because um, there is no real way to share any specific information with my brothers. And so, one thing my parents did years later: my parents took the boys over to Vietnam for three weeks mm-hmm. or four weeks one summer, so that they could at least visit like their country of origin and see the orphanages and see the country where they were from. That was the closest they could do for my brothers to have a sense of identity as well. That must be so hard for them to know that their personal history will always be at such a distance because the documentation from their home country, I mean, was just completely fouled up from the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's really kind of sad for them, but um, I'm, I yeah. mean, I hope that they, you know, feel very comfortable in the family that you all created together. So <laughs> I think we also like family. There's moments obviously yeah. of like, <laughs> just like any family, sometimes we don't speak right. to each other. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we holler. Sometimes it's all love. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I would imagine the dynamic is the same. It doesn't matter whether you're yeah. blood or not. You guys consider right. yourselves brothers and sisters. You're going to battle and, right. and have fun like brothers right. and sisters. That's really great. Exactly. We all know how to drive each other crazy, and we all know how to lift each other up. So. Mm-hmm. So you were really comfortable as an adoptee in your family, which is really awesome to hear. But there yeah. there was a time at some point when you decided that you actually actively wanted to search. You wanted to find out yeah. more. What, tell me a little bit about how you reached that point. What were some of the triggers that just said, you know what, I think it might be interesting or I, I got to know something? Well, I was always, I mean, my mom and I used to always talk about, like, as soon as I turned 21 and I could look, was I going to look? And so, um, And so it was like... We were just were kind of waiting for me to be old enough. Oh, and then yeah, and um, and and my my older sister did not choose to look for her family, um, and she still makes that choice not to look. Um, but for me, I was really excited too. Um, and part of that is, you know, there's like the story that my parents told me, um, which I believe, which I believed, and I 
and now that I know my birth parents, I do believe still, was your parents loved you so much that they wanted you to have um, a really good life, and they couldn't give that to you the way they wanted to, and so they gave you to us. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I bought in. You know what I mean? Like that was, that seemed, that worked for me. Absolutely. And so, yeah. Um, And then, so I think, let's see, I must have been then, I think, 23 by the time I actually got around to looking. And part of that was, you know, I turned 21 in undergrad, um, and I would have, like, I would have needed to get my records from home. I just really wasn't, like, organized in my head enough to do it quite at that age. Yeah, you have a lot going um, on in college. Yeah, 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 and then my first year out, I was teaching, and so it wasn't until I was I was uh, at the law school where we met that I finally felt like I had time and was ready to to put some energy toward it. So, like, I registered on a website called Cousins Connect, and I registered on some other website, and then I was assigned a caseworker to Catholic Charities. And now the caseworkers I was assigned, um, they're interns essentially, and mm-hmm. so I went through like four or five different interns. Nice. Because it did take me several years to actually locate. Well, actually, it didn't take several years to locate my parents. It took me several years to meet my birth parents. But um, my first caseworker located my birth parents. And so from then, the process is you write a letter, again, with no identifying information. You can send pictures, and then they pass that on to the birth family. And okay. then the birth family has to do certain things as well until finally you can exchange, like, a phone call or something. And so I did all the steps on my end, but then my birth family didn't do any of the steps, and so I just was waiting. And then I think like several months later, probably half a year later, I called back to see where I was in the process. I had a new caseworker. They started it again, and same phone call, like, yeah, yeah, your birth parents are so interested, and blah, 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 and then nothing. Wow. And so then I stopped looking for a while. And what did that feel like? It felt, okay, so, th- so the very first time my caseworker said that, they made contact with my birth parents, and they were, no, no, they said they made contact with my birth mother, mm-hmm. and she was so excited. Um, I immediately, like, pulled all my pictures of me coming up so that she could see a visual timeline of what I look like from, from when I was adopted until until then. I remember um, that. You, I wrote, you told like, me about yeah. a book that you had put together yeah. of, like, this is my life. I thought that was so cute. I did. I wrote something so that she kind of had a feeling for the family I was in and, like, what my life was like, what I liked, and I sent it to the caseworker. So I just remember feeling feeling joy and feeling wanted, feeling like I was about to kind of uncover this part of me that I didn't really know. Uh-huh. And, you know, especially after going to Howard, this kind of, like, opened up my mind, too, in terms of culture. So I just was ready for more more pieces of myself to kind of um, unveil or be revealed um, to me. And then the waiting, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, I was young and having fun in D.C., so I wasn't always conscious of the waiting. It really wasn't until like a few months out. I was like, oh, I haven't heard from her. I should check in. Uh-huh. Um, and then that was kind of like when the excuses started or when the information was like, yeah, we got a hold of them. We're just waiting for them to fill this piece out. And then after a while, like after maybe a year or two, I was finally like, okay, well, then let's look for my birth father. Because if my mom's not interested, that's fine. Let's look for him. Mm-hmm. But then my case manager told me that we couldn't because they were married to each other. And so if wow. so they had to assume that she had told him and then that they both were not ready to move forward, wow. which was 
really interesting information for me because the other story that I had always been told by my mom, or actually not always, but when I was a little bit older, my mom started telling me like more pieces about my adoption. And she said it seemed to her like the social worker told her that my dad had didn't know my mom was pregnant, and so it was a surprise to him that he needed to sign paperwork signing me over to someone. Wow. Um, that was the impression yeah. that your mother got during the process. Yeah, and yeah, and I can't remember, and it might have been that she had a direct conversation with a social worker, um, or it might have just been her impression. And she was right; like that, that was actually spot on. Wow. Um, but so then, so then, I kind of was starting to be like, well, fine. If not, first of all, not my birth mom didn't even, she didn't even tell my dad she was pregnant. So let's find my dad. And then I found out they're married to each other. And then it was like, is she still being sneaky? And why can't you just call my dad? Because maybe she hasn't told him. She didn't tell him once. You know, but it was kind of like a brick wall. There's nothing more I could do. Um, And so I just put it to the side again for a while. Mm -hmm. Mm. And, yeah. That must have been so, I mean, the curiosity, your mind must have just reeled with the possibilities of what they could be thinking, what they had discussed, whether they had discussed it at all or whether they were in the heat of a discussion about it. I mean, I can only imagine my mind going wild. (laughs) Well, for sure. Like, I'm questioning character now and, right. like, what kind of people are these? And this whole fable I've been told my whole life, what kind of BS is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also, I probably have siblings, and why did they get to be raised? Do they even know about me? Right. Um, yeah, like, I and I always wanted to have little siblings. I mean, I, I am pretty much, like, your standard baby sibling. But I also always wanted younger siblings. And I'm like, man, I missed my chance to be a big sister, too. <laughs> you yeah, know? right, right. Oh, wow, I didn't <laughs> even think of that. That's true. So this yeah. is it. This is where you and I left off. So yeah. you were yeah. working at uh, school here in D.C. You were caring mm-hmm. for my kids after school. Mm-hmm. And we yeah. our discussion ended at this point. So everything after this, I'm so excited to hear. So okay. tell me everything. <laughs> I will. So after, you know, after I lived in D.C., um, I moved to Portland, Oregon. I uh, had been there two years. I was working for a a nonprofit out there. I have a dream foundation. And I was working with my dreamers. I was in a school. Mm -hmm. And I decided to start looking again. And so at this point, I'm probably like 27. I think I was probably 23 when I first looked. So now I'm like 26, 27. And I decided I wanted to, to try again. I was in a good mental place to do it and uh, called called back the numbers that I had. Mm-hmm. Of course, I have a new caseworker. Right. Um, they very easily find my parents. This time, my parents are committed to doing the steps they have to do. And I'm not actually clear what those steps are. Um, and I did find out later my parents weren't really clear. They felt like they really had to run around and didn't understand what, like, they, they were given a lot of misinformation, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there were also some health issues going on from my parents that kind of sidetracked them from being able to be responsive the way I wanted them to be. I see. But anyway, yeah, so so we try again, and then again it turns into this waiting game, um, and then... Another like another year passes, and I'm like, I'm just going to try one more time, but then this is it. I have to be done because I can't keep just, like, you know, like, like three strikes and you're out, essentially. Yeah, Three's a good yeah. number. I'll have tried over the course of a decade, essentially, or at least over the course of, like, seven, eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, at this point, if it doesn't work, then I have a really good life. I'm happy. Mm-hmm. I love my family. I love my cousins. My life is good. Right. I don't 
I just need to let go of or figure out how to just live with this one piece of not knowing yeah. because I am actually really, really confident and certain in who I am. Yeah. So I need to let this go. Yeah, and you're probably so, um, feeling like you're throwing yourselves at these people by this time. Like this is attempt number three and you found them on number one. Right. Yeah. And like, okay, so, and then you start to fall, like, for me, I start to fall back into that narrative, like, they didn't want me. Who doesn't want a baby? Who doesn't want a baby? Right. And their own baby and their flesh and blood, like, we are programmed to want our babies. Um, Right. Genetically, like, biologically, that's how we are programmed, so that's how survival works. And and so if they didn't want me when I was at my cutest and most innocent... (laughs) And now I've lived a little, <laughs> some good and bad stories. And, like, after three times, I just can't keep setting myself up for hurt. Yeah. Yeah, and so third time didn't work. And it was the same thing where, like, oh, your parents are so excited, and then no movement forward. Although at that point, I finally found out I had siblings. I knew I had two siblings, but I didn't even know their gender. I just knew I had siblings. Mm. I didn't know their ages, nothing. Okay. Um. Yeah. And so that was it. I just, like, closed that chapter and continued living in Portland. And then, um, so while I was out there, the year I turned 30, I both got pregnant and had my son. Um, And unfortunately, it wasn't, like, the, the situation with his father and I didn't go the way that I wanted it to go. It didn't go the way that we planned it going either. Mm-hmm. And so I realized that I would need to move back home to the Midwest to be close to my family so I could have support as a parent. But just to quick backtrack for a second, when I had my son, like the moment I gave birth to him, I will say, like the second he was placed in my arms, my first thought was of my birth mom. And I just, I I let go of all the anger because I I didn't even want to hand my son over to his father. I didn't want to hand him to my mom. I didn't want to hand him to his dad's mom. I just wanted him and he was mine. And I couldn't imagine not, not holding him, not having him. And it just made me think that unless this woman was a monster, this had to be the worst day of her life. Mm. Um, And people aren't really, like, I feel like 99% of the people I meet are truly good-hearted, kind people. Right. um, That may, may be ignorant, may have some misguided things, but people, typically, the ones I meet, are kind and not, and are not monsters. And so I just, I forgave her in that moment. I was like, this was the worst day of her life. She had to leave the hospital without me. And it also helped that another one of my friends from high school was pregnant about the same time I was, and she was placing her baby for adoption. And so we'd had a lot of conversations through Facebook, like through Messenger, mm-hmm. about what she was going through and about what I had gone through. And I, like she had a baby, I want to say, two weeks after I had my son or something. Okay. And so she was on my mind a lot, too, and I knew how hard but right the decision was for her. Um, and so in that moment, I just let go of, of all of it. And, uh, and so I actually did have a lot of peace then. So at the same time that of- you are pregnant and about to give birth to your own son, you, one of your peers is going through uh-huh. basically the same process that your mother went through with you at almost yeah. the same time. Wow. Yeah. So you've moved home. Mm-hmm. And shortly after I moved home, I started getting these really weird emails. And they were saying things like, we found you on Cousin Connect, and you say that your name was this. Um, what else can you tell us? And so, and I had forgotten. I was like, they found me on Cousin Connect. What was that? Right. So I, 
like scroll back and I'm like, oh, I remember, I remember filling this out like decade. I mean, it felt like decades. But I was, you know, at this point I'm 30 right. and a mom, and I filled that out when I was in my early 20s with no sense. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I was like, that's right, okay. And so I sent some information back, like, well, this is the information that I know. Like, I know my last name is is it might be Paniagua. Uh, these are the names of my parents. This is my ethnicity. This is the information that I have, essentially. And, like, some of my cousins, like, some of my moms and dads, you know, cousins or siblings or whatever. And then, so we're emailing back and forth. And the people emailing me, and I, I don't know who these people are. They set up a fake email um, because those are not the names of anyone in my family, mm-hmm. now that I like now that I know. And they're saying things like, well, you're giving us some really specific details, but some of them are wrong. But there's enough here that's right that... Like, what else can you tell us? And at this point, I'm like, well, what can you tell me? You're not giving me anything. And how do I know who you are? And so we went back and forth like that for a while until finally um, one of the – and I, I, I figured out I was talking to two of my aunts, my dad's two sisters. Oh. And, um, yeah. And so they were like, how do we know you're not trying to harm our brother? And I was replying, like, how do I know how do I know who you say who you are, who you say you are? You obviously are kind of pulling the cards here. So they sent me the name of my younger sister. I found out I had a sister. So they sent me the name of my sister and of course, thanks to Facebook, um, I looked her up and I looked her up when my best friend was with me. And um one of my best friends is a white woman and we so we're standing in my god sister's kitchen and I'm you know, like we have to let's look. So we look and her profile picture, my sister's profile picture, is a picture of her and one of her best friends who um, is, I think she is maybe Colombian or something, but kind of presents white. And they're wearing wigs and they're at Coachella. And I'm a music head, and my best friend is also a music head. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking at the picture, and I was like, Hoff, we never went to Coachella. Because, you know what I'm saying? It's almost like I just am glancing at it, and she looks close, and she's like, Julie, that's not you and me, oh, but that is wow. for sure your sister. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. That is crazy. Yeah. She's like, yeah, these people are, that is definitely your sister. And my younger sister and I do look a lot alike. And so then, of course, we're, like, looking at all her Facebook pictures, and now I'm seeing pictures of my family for the first time. But my sister, my little sister, is the first family member that I saw. Yeah, so then I email my aunts back, and I'm like, I am, this is definitely my sister, for sure. We look just alike, and so then we're able to kind of now have slightly more open communication. Mm-hmm. But now here is where the challenge is. Um, my, my biological father and his siblings had had a falling out, and so they really were not fans of my biological mother. I see. Um. And so they were saying things, and I'm just listening with an open mind at this point. I'm not, I'm not, I'm just listening um, to what sounds to be like a lot of hurt and a lot of anger on their part because nobody in my family knew about me. Mm-hmm. And and it is true that my mom didn't tell anyone she was pregnant when she was pregnant with me. And part of that is because... Um, at that time in my mom's family, there was a history of abuse, and that's why she placed me for adoption. She didn't want me in that environment, but she would have been a single parent in a very Catholic, you know, Mexican family. Mm-hmm. Um, and she placed you to protect you. 
Yeah, and she didn't tell my dad. Now, at that point, my dad was separated from his first wife, and he had a, he had a daughter with her. So, so me and my, my two younger siblings, we have an older half-sister um, who was wow. raised with her mom. And, uh-huh. and she was one where my, my brothers and sister didn't know about her until they were older, didn't meet her until my, sister was a te- my, my younger sister was a teenager. Um, wow, this is a repeated process in your family. <laughs> Well, on my dad, on my dad, for my dad, yes. yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah. So when my mom had me, my dad found out later and had to sign paperwork. Um, they didn't tell anyone in the family, and by chance, my mom is the second oldest in her family. Her older sister is a social was a social worker, I believe. Um, she's she's retiring this year, but the paperwork came across her desk. And so she was like, is there something you would like to tell me? So Are my, my aunt is, yeah, is the only other one in the family who knew. So like my, my abuela, she didn't know. My abuelo, he didn't know. Nobody knew except for my mom and my older aunt. And then eventually my dad. And they, and then they weren't together at that point. She found out because yeah. the paperwork came across her desk. Yeah. Oh Otherwise gosh. nobody would have known. Yeah. Right. Everything, you know, so I'm placed. Everything is fine. And then I start looking for them in my 20s, and that's when they had to tell my younger siblings that there was another child. And so this is the second time my younger siblings are being told there's another child. Right. And it's another girl. My brother's always like, couldn't it be a boy? Couldn't there just have been a boy somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> right. And so, and, and so that was part of the challenge. And there was still kind of a lot of family drama going on when I originally was looking for them in my early 20s, which just got in the way of them being in a place to be receptive to me. I see, yeah. So I reached out to my sister on Facebook, um, and she came back with a beautiful letter just, like, detailing the family history. And and she's looking at my page, too, and like, yes, we are definitely related. Wow. And then I had a couple phone calls with my aunts, and then I finally had a phone call with my birth parents. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was clear my aunts were really mad because I have two cousins who their birthdays are just a couple days apart. But my aunts were angry because, how first of all, how come they didn't even know I existed? And then also, you don't place babies for adoption in, in like, Mexican and Dominican families. Um, oh. There's always an auntie or someone who can take care of them. And why wasn't I just sent to New York to be raised with my cousins because we were all babies together? We all were, were all babies anyway. Yeah, in the Latino community, um, there's always some place to go, huh? Wow. Yeah, yeah. So they were really angry, and mm. they were already angry. And so this just, like, fueled their angry fire. Right. Um, but I was just like, I don't have anything to do with any of that. <laughs> Decisions were made because they were made. and. Yeah. You guys are reacting like this now. I can kind of maybe see you. Right. right. So, how was, this, how was this call with your parents? Um, it was weird. It was it was weird, and I could tell that they were unsure had I if I had been poisoned to them already. But also, was I angry? I even now sometimes I think they kind of dance around me because they're not sure if I'm angry or not. They don't want to upset me. I see. And I make it clear over and over, like, yo, the moment I had L, um, at least for my mom, I'm finding I have some more issues with my dad, but I I forgave her. Mm-hmm. I mean, she had to have done what she had to do. She right. must have felt like she had to do it. You just can't leave a baby. So they don't always believe me on that still. And yeah. They're just kind of operating from like a really thankful, grateful place. And I'm like, oh, you could just be my parents and be frustrated when I act like a jerk. That'd be okay, too. <laughs> you know? Well, you know, um, I, I mean, in their own sort of 
defense, this has been years and years of drama, you know, mm -hmm. of anger in the family, of secrecy, of all these mm -hmm. things. I mean, it's got to yep. be hard for them to feel comfortable with the fact that you've just come back and that there's no right. anger. Um, but I totally right. understand your perspective. Like when you have your own child, you just look down at them and you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. And you, mm -hmm. you really find a way to love in a way that you've never loved anybody before and to forgive a lot of things that, you know, you may have harbored right. for a long time. You just realize the value of your own life and, and you, I can see how it would give you the ability to forgive unconditionally. So. Yeah. Well, and also, um, you know, as a, as a woman, after you give birth, mm -hmm. your body has a long time before it's back to normal. Mm -hmm. So you, like, you wake up every morning in this skin where, you know, you still have, you still have a belly mm -hmm. and you are still producing milk and it's painful mm -hmm. for that process to end. And you know what I mean? So yeah. it's like you have a physical reminder for that first year for sure of yeah. what you don't have mm -hmm. every day that, as soon as you wake up. Yeah. You I know? found out that I was oh. born by a, a cesarean section. And in, it's oh. my understanding that in 1972, they were not wow. the horizontal bikini line. It's my understanding that they used to be vertical. So <gasps> can you imagine that you oh. walk around? Oh with this mark of having given birth to a person that you can't oh. find, have given up and have, you know, offered to another family to raise. I mean, just, so I hear you on, oh. on the changes to your body and the mark that it makes yeah. on your, your being. So, so yeah. you've had this awkward conversation with your <laughs> biological family. They've, I yeah. presume told their sibling, your siblings that you exist. Tell me about the meeting. Okay, so I moved back to St. Paul in uh, on June 30th of 2011. So I have this baby now, right? He's maybe like seven, eight months old. Mm -hmm. I was. We decided that I would go visit in October. That I would come down for a weekend. It was a weekend. My parents, my adoptive parents, were busy, and so it just became clear. Like I'm about to go down to Chicago by myself with my child to meet my birth family. Uh -huh. And in this time, like, my sister and I have been kind of, I think, on Facebook back and forth. And she seemed really cool. She and I seemed to have just a ton in common. So my son and I load up the car and drive down to Chicago, and that was fine. He's a good little road dog, so that was fun. <laughs> but when we got there, I was not quite ready. And so I just remember, like, driving. Like, I drove past the house, <laughs> and then I drove around the block and uh, parked nursed my son just like but kind of trying to buy some time changed him up sat in the car for a second and was debating if i was going to drive back up to, to the cities and just stay or like actually go through with it mm. and i decided to go through with it and so i drove over to the house and i remember like i knocked on the door and my mom was the only one home and she came out and i don't think i look at the in that moment i'm just looking at her like i don't look I don't think I look like this woman whatsoever. And I'd already seen pictures of her on Facebook, but I didn't, I guess I don't know if I was like thinking I would feel like I belong to her. Um, but it was, it was a little awkward and not in a bad way, but just in like a, this woman gave me birth. I've been thinking about her most days my whole life. And here she is. And she's tiny. She's like five, four. So I'm also thinking like, thank God I'm five, eight too. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we just, we don't look alike, but we actually, we do look quite a bit alike. I saw pictures of her. She gave me some pictures of her when she's younger. We make I a see. lot of the same faces. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's... Yeah, it's just I'm darker, I have different hair, but our eyes are very similar. Wow. But the best thing, I think, was she was the only one home. For me, that was really good. 
So, you know, I gave her a hug and she was a little teary. I could tell that she was trying to see how I was. Mm hmm. And like, and not trying to be overwhelming. Like, she, and she—that—that that is my mom. Like, she's very intuitive and and aware, and wanting other people to be comfortable. And and I could tell that she was doing that for me, which I appreciated. Mm-hmm. And I will say that in a lot of ways, this was this actually was like the best possible timing. I was done being mad at her, and also I was bringing their first grandchild. Right. Um, and so I have this little ambassador with me, and people are on their best behavior around around kids yeah. right and he also gave me an excuse to take like moments alone if I needed to because I was still nursing and, and whatever and we could focus the attention on him if we needed to mm-hmm. so he was just like the perfect ambassador yeah I'll bet yeah wow. yeah and so we went in the kitchen and talked I told her a little bit about myself and she told me a little bit about the family and we were just kind of getting to know how each other was you know it was like the small talk that was more that um like the small talk was the vehicle for us to kind of get to know each other's personalities and what our speech patterns were mm-hmm. and, and who we identified as. Right. Like, Just generally trying yeah, to learn things. one another on the Yeah, planet. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then I want to say my uncle, one of her brothers, came home first. And so I met him, and he reminds me so much of my uncles I was raised with that I just definitely immediately felt comfortable with him. And he was loving up my son. Uh-huh. Like In that family, there are some male cousins who are, like, my age, but then there was just, like, years of females. My family is really girl-heavy, so this was, like, finally we have another boy in the family, <laughs> <laughs> which is great. So he just was loving him up. And uncles um, tend to be really then, good at that kind of stuff. That's just the uncle Yeah, role. they totally do. They totally do. Then my... Um, my dad was definitely more like, you know, Mija and uh, <laughs> and wanting hugs and stuff and excited to meet his grandson. And then my sister and brother came home and she and I had been chatting. And so I was, she was just like, I'm so excited to meet you. And, <laughs> and we're, we are really similar. I mean, she's the baby in that family, but she and I are both like, run, like the baby, run everything. We can handle all of this stuff, like multitaskers, right. music heads all of it and so she's we get along well I'm really similar though to my brother and also our older half sister like I'm a good blend of all three of them interesting wow yeah, and so it was great. We we just sat down, and my sister, my like I said, my older sister came too, and she did not know about me until like the month or two before. Oh, really? Wow. She had no idea I existed, and that's a much harder thing for her because, mm-hmm. um, like, her mom and our dad were actually married to each other, and so there's a lot of other um, family dynamics and like father daughter dynamics that go on there that I don't really know too much about. Um, and she'd been kind of coming back and forth between this, like, our family that we share and her mom and grandparents since she was, a like, an older teenager, and it wasn't always good. And I think there were times when she didn't come and see them at all. She has no ill will towards me. She actually visits me each summer. I think that it was challenging that there was this other hidden child. Yes. And that I probably, like, the fact of me and the fact, and, and definitely, like, my mom, who she also calls mom, too, mm-hmm. caused challenges for her by her mom, you know? Uh-huh, right. Yeah, so there are dynamics there that we're all kind of still uncovering and unpacking. But it was great, and so we intentionally spent that first night just as a just as a nuclear family. And I remember we stayed up to like 2 a.m. at the table talking and eating and drinking um, Cuban espresso, Cuban coffee, which I love, <laughs> and just 
getting to know each other and telling stories, and they brought out pictures so I could see. And that's when I was like, oh, man, I do look a lot like my mom, or I did, like, when she was younger. We look real. There's one picture out. Again, I was looking at it like, this could be me, you know? She's making a face and, like, doing a hand gesture that I do. Wow. That's yeah. really, really amazing. That was the first night. The second day, they had a party for all the family. So at this point, everybody knows about me, but is only known about me now for about a month. Like the fact that I exist. So I'm also stepping into a situation where people are really in all their feelings. Like how did they not know that their sister was yeah, pregnant for my, for my abuela? She was really hurt. How come you couldn't tell me that you were pregnant? Um, this, like this is a grant, this is a baby that we all, we would have wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, so there was a lot of hurt feelings and I think anger and, and they, they didn't, I don't know the details of all of that. They have definitely kept me out of that loop. But so it's like I'm meeting everyone in the family and again, I have a baby. It's, so there's a new baby in the family so like he's a great ambassador um, but I did meet all my aunts and uncles and cousins the next day mm-hmm. and then you know my, my dad's family my dad's side of the family doesn't really interact with my dad but my two cousins who were in Chicago definitely came over and met me and they're great and they have kids my son's age and so we were like oh man we're the same age and we got babies the same age um, so it was beautiful so anyway we kept in touch and I visited probably like four or five times that first year but that following summer so every year my adoptive family they built a lake house and they did the basement just like all beds and there's like several bathrooms and so we all go up to the lake for a week in the summer mm-hmm. and all my aunts and uncles and cousins come through um, and so we invited my birth parents and my birth family to come up so they came up for two nights and met all my extended family wow. as well and at this point my birth, my mom and my birth mom had talked on the phone a few times too okay. so they all came up and met everybody else that I was raised with and like my biological dad was on the grill for a while and they got to meet um, my brothers and sisters one of my brothers lives in Alaska and he always brings his family down for like a month in the summer so they got to meet my brother and that's the brother that chose me um, oh cool it was it was really fun it was weird my my biological dad is definitely a musician. Um, among he's a social worker as well. But I come from a really, my adoptive family is musical, and this is this has probably been I feel like the real blessing in my in my own personal story is that my adoptive family and my biological family are very very similar. They are all in human service, teaching, social work types of fields. Family is really important and kind of clannish. Mm-hmm. You know, both my families are a little clannish wow. in that, like, we get together all the time. The aunts and uncles always want to be together. They want us cousins together. I have a ton in common, naturally, with my biological family because my adoptive family is so similar. Mm, that's so amazing and, and really, as you've said, kind of lucky. And, I mean, I just can't even imagine that you would find the qualities in your biological family that are so similar to those of your adopted family. That's really bizarre and kind of awesome. It is really bizarre. Uh, Julie, you have made my day. I've been <laughs> thinking about your story for so long. Gosh, I'm so happy for you that you are finally able to connect with your biological family. I hope that the unpacking and uh, the emotional journey that you guys continue to go through will, will unfold in healthy ways. But I'm just so happy for you that you are finally <laughs> able to make that book of my life turn into an actual meeting with, with those folks. And I'm really glad that your adopted family was able to meet your biologicals, too. That's just, that's really cool. Yeah. I'm really- yeah. You know, I laugh now because I'm like, man, 
I'm gonna if I ever were to get married, I'd have to elope. Otherwise, like just family <laughs> alone on both sides would be insane. I can't even imagine like for big family events, everybody's invited. So I'm like, I, I'm gonna. <laughs> there's a lot of family at this point. Well, thank you so yeah. much for taking time to get on the phone with me. I I really appreciate it. I was I was so excited to find you and connect with you again, and I'm glad we were finally able to to share your story. So thank you. Yeah, thanks for asking me. This was really good. No, I appreciate it so much. Take care, Julie. All the best. Hey, it's me, and I'm so happy for Julie right now. When I knew her before, she seemed pretty sad that her family of origin had been contacted, but they weren't reciprocating contact with her. Now we know that they had some challenges in reconnecting with her, from misinformation from the social workers about what steps the family had to take to welcome Julie home, to medical issues in the family that made it such that the timing wasn't quite right for them to complete the connection. One of the most poignant parts of Julie's story for me was when she described holding her son for the first time after his birth. She said that in that moment, she let go of all of her anger, which is a really important step forward, but sometimes challenging to reach for many of us. I hope you'll find something in Julie's story that inspires you, validates your feelings about wanting to search, or motivates you to have the strength along your journey to learn who am I, really? If you would like to share your story of locating and connecting to your biological family, visit whoamireallypodcast.com slash share.